Hello, my name is Kimberly Martin, and you're listening to Kimberly Martin's Real People of Orange County, a fun and informative look inside the lives of Orange County's best and brightest. These are people who serve their community in a meaningful capacity on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. Opinions expressed on this show are totally mine and do not reflect the opinions of the management of KUCI or the UC Board of Regents. For more information about Kimberly Martin's Real People of Orange County and other shows, please go to KUCI.org. Well, hello, Heather. Thank you for showing up with me again today. Oh, yeah, you're welcome. I um, I still have that little bit of shaky, wobbly knee when I come in here. I'm, I'm a new DJ here at KUCI, and um, I'm really enjoying it. Oh, well, I'm glad you're enjoying it, and eventually the, the shaky, wobbly knee thing will go away. It will. And yeah. What will it turn into? It will turn into uh, overconfidence and uh, something else. <laughs> and I'm narcissism. Not sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what it will turn into. Well, I'll try really hard to make that transition be a nice long one so I don't get there too soon. <laughs> yeah. I think for, I'm for well on my way. For some, it's a shorter leap than others, yeah. I'm sure. But I'm excited to be here, and I thank you for being here because you have lots of bells and whistles in front of you, and I don't know, I still don't know what you're doing. Oh, well, I can show you sometime. You're making me sound good. Oh, thank you. Well, KUCI is in the middle of their fun drive, and I love how everybody's put in such a huge effort here around the studio. It's really exciting to see all the buzz. Yeah, it's pretty amazing, and um, the lobby transforms into a pledge central where we take your pledges and call in at 949-824-5824 and we take Kimmy's, your pledges 24 yeah. hours a day too kimmy's doing homework as well as answering your phone calls so she would love to hear from you and um i think she's creatively stuck on her paper so that would kind of get, break up the monotony if you call um so call yeah and give her some inspiration yeah, and a little a little spiff here for yeah KUCI exactly would be nice. and um we're, our goal is that we're trying to do is 10,000, and uh, that's totally makeable, and every little bit helps because the university has cut back support from us, and uh, so we need to make that up in other ways. Right. And so, I mean, 30, you know, it's, you know, donating $35 is less than your cable bill at this point. A I month. guess that's true. So, and, and your weekly Starbucks bill, too. Yeah, if, if you're so inclined to go to Starbucks, that would probably be less than your weekly Starbucks bill. So. I should call my mom and ask her to donate because I think she's the one that's getting the most joy out of listening to me on the radio. Oh, she's like, oh, my daughter. <laughs> so, Mom, come out, please donate. <laughs> uh, streaming live on KUCI. Uh, 88.9 FM in Irvine. This is Kimberly Martin's Real People of Orange County, and we have a special guest today. We have Terry O'Neill in the studio, and we're discussing a rather interesting topic today. I don't think you even knew what topic we were discussing. No clue. Heather, this is going to come out of left field. Are okay. You yeah, I'm ready. Um, we might all be shedding a few tears at the end, but we're oh. going to be discussing dating, violence, and child abuse with Terry. Okay. Terry is the president of the American Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Children, the ASPCC, and he's going to share some startling statistics with us that we all really need to be aware that they exist. And we also want to let you know that if you need to get a hold of Terry, you can go to the AmericanSPCC.org website, and that's going to be a website for you that will be a resource. This is an um, organization that exists to... Um, bring awareness to these situations in our country, and we want to make sure that we're doing our part here at KUCI. So, Terry, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Good. 
Are we close enough? Yeah, we're, yeah, okay, we're good. good. Okay, great. Um, we brought you here because April, April is so many things to so many people, but to the ASPCC, it is also National Child Abuse Prevention Month. So it, April was a very fitting time to have you here on the show. Um, the charter of your organization is to bring awareness, education to the forefront. And this is a really difficult topic for people to discuss. So we're here to discuss something that most people will usually sweep under the carpet. And you have an upcoming meeting in Palm Springs this week, and you're having like more like a town hall meeting, right? We so. are having our first town hall meeting. Uh, it's at the Mizell Center in Palm Springs. And uh, it, th- what we're trying to really do is bring awareness as it relates to child abuse. Most people, they don't want to talk about child abuse. And in fact, if someone wants to share their story as it relates to child abuse, most people don't want to hear it. Um, Why do you think people don't want to hear it? Uh, people don't want to hear it because it's so personal. Mm. And a lot of people say, but I don't mind hearing something personal about my friend. But how many people really want to hear about something tragic happening to a child? And usually that happens to someone that they, someone that they know. Uh, 90%, over 90% of individuals who abuse children actually know the family of the child of which they abuse, or they could be related to the family itself. Wow, that's that's pretty. It's a gruesome topic. It's it's one that, um, as a parent, I know, you know, I really worry about I, it, almost to an unhealthy levels at some points. I don't know if it's the hormones coursing through my veins, <laughs> <laughs> or if it's just our awareness as a society is getting greater as to how as to it's more common. And so, as a parent, you are hormonally predispositioned to worry more about these things for your children when they're young and and more impressionable. Um, One of the things where we're going to get into two topics, we're going to talk about dating violence too, because when Terry mentioned that, we thought that would be an interesting topic for students here on the campus. Um, But it was a term I had never heard of. So tell us a little bit about that as well. Uh, Roughly 1 in 11 individuals experience dating violence. And dating violence just isn't from a man to a girl. It's often from a girl to a guy. And so people think, well, does that mean that I'm being physically abused? Does that mean that he hit me? What is he actually doing as it relates to violence? I haven't been hit. I haven't been struck. So it really doesn't count as violence. But there's many, many different ways that an individual can abuse. And within dating violence... Um, we know that roughly one in four girls is going to ha- experience sexual abuse before they ha- are at a legal age to date. And we know that one in six boys will experience sexual abuse before they're able to vote. And those are the ones that report it. What do you mean they, they're the ones that report it? We know right now statistics Oh, I show, see what you mean. The, the, those are the ones that have spoken up and said, yes, this has happened to me. Absolutely. So what you mean is that this, if we were to take a real assessment of the picture, more people are being abused than speak up about it. Absolutely. Okay. Actually, we think the, the number is probably more than twice that and greater for boys. So people say, gosh, I can't believe that because my child never told me. Or I know my niece or I know my nephew or my, I know my brother's. And they would tell me. They would come forward if something was happening to them. But they don't. There's such fear. There's such embarrassment. There's such shame as it relates to abuse 
and child abuse is that they don't come forward. And I think by the time you end the show, you're going to be locking up your kids and saying, don't go out. But yeah. uh, it, it's a, it, because it is an absolutely amazing thing of what transpires. And what a lot of people don't realize is, oh, well, if a child is abused, they'll get over it. But in actuality, they never get over it. <clears throat> Excuse me. Once the abuse has occurred, an innocence is lost forever. And that child, that abuse that that child experience stays with them the rest of their life in many, many harmful ways. Oh, it's stressful for me to discuss it, but I do want to get some very specific uh, terms from you when okay. we talk about abuse because there's your organization discusses many different types of abuse. Correct. And they have the statistics broken down into the types of abuse that you, you're able to track because of those that are have have the courage to report it. Um, let's talk about what some of those aspects of abuse are. The um, the government recognizes four types of abuse, and the most prevalent abuse is neglect. A lot of people think, well, is neglect really abuse? But it really is. And especially today, there are a lot of teenage mothers that are out there that just don't have the ability to care for their children. And so the child is left. Left or, at home, left at, give me in an the example car, left at home, left on a school playground, left in a parking lot, left in a casino parking lot. Oh, my goodness. Um, they're left. They're essentially abandoned, but they're not abandoned. They're for, just neglected. For how long of a period of time? Uh, running in to get a drink, coming back to the car, do we, just, do we consider that to be an incidence of neglect? It really depends the condition that the child's left in. Oh, okay. So, you know, um, I had a conversation with a, uh, a policeman. He was the chief of police in a community, and he says, I really need your help. And he says, because as a state, we can't afford to offer this type of educational program to individuals. But he says, you have to look at the environment where families come from. And often... Um, depending on the religious beliefs of a family and their tradition, if an individual gets pregnant, and in some cases, depending on where the region is in this particular region, which was in the Coachella Valley, 80% of teenage girls experienced a pregnancy. Whoa. And of that 80%, um, roughly... Teenage under 18? Under 18. Okay. Over the age of 13... 13 uh, through 18. Up through 18. So 80% of those girls experienced a, uh, a pregnancy. And of that, more than 50% kept the child. And so all of a sudden, they're forced to be a parent. Right. They didn't plan on being a parent. They didn't know what it was like to be a parent. They wanted to be a teenager. Yeah. And so all of a sudden, they have the responsibilities of, I've got this baby, and I have this one-year-old, and... The one-year-old's crying, and the two-year-old is crying, and I want to go out with my friends, and I can't go out with my friends. So I'm going to leave my child with some other kids, or I'm going to leave my child at home, or I'm going to leave them with someone who I think will be supportive for now, their child. As a nation, we saw a huge example of what could possibly speak to neglect, and is it the Casey Anthony mm -hmm, trial mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. played out before our eyes? That very possibly was reflecting the neglect that we're talking about Absolutely. right now. And we're saying here today that that's pretty common. It is. We um, actually spoke with some individuals, and I said, tell me about raising a child as a teenager. What's it like to raise a child? Where would you learn how to raise a child? 
And one of the things that they said was, I learn a lot of it from television. And I said, you, you learn this from television. How could you possibly learn how to raise a child from television? They said, I said, what stations do you watch? And a lot of the stations that they watch are the reality stations. Oh, dear. Uh-oh. And because there's an unintended consequence <laughs> of reality Parent, television, parenting advice from Snooky. That's <laughs> there you go. Oh, God. And I am so happy to say I don't know who Snooky is. <laughs> so it was really alarming to me when um, I asked about some of the behaviors that they saw. Yeah. On, on these reality shows. And I said, do you feel that it's OK to spank your child or do you feel that it's OK to hit your child? And they said, oh, yes, it is. And, I said, okay. And what reality TV show is this? I've never seen anybody spank anybody on. Have you ever seen two adults hit each other on a reality oh, show? Oh, yeah, sure, that. But that's okay. different than child, uh, parent hitting child on a reality well, show. Well, actually. It uh, isn't? No, it really isn't. Because okay. what happens is the child sees what they, uh, an individual will mimic what they see on a reality show, believe it or not. Oh, okay. So 30% of the behavior statistics show that what is seen on a reality show is accepted. Yeah. So if they see two adults going at one another or slapping or cussing out one of the individual, and there's some pretty lively reality shows right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, they find that acceptable. And, and, in fact, they find it because it was acceptable in their household. It should be acceptable in my household. And so what happens is that behavior is brought back to their house. And the, so the child is raised in a behavior where there's abuse and it's between two adults which ultimately falls down to the child so interesting i'm reminded uh, when i was helping my husband to raise his first two children when they were young they were six and eight and do i want to admit this to everybody i was an only child so i didn't have anybody kicking me in the house and you know pulling my hair out and stealing my toys yeah and um, I had a really nice, quiet childhood and eased my way into adulthood all by myself for a good long time. Got married at the a late age of 29, if you will, and was immediately thrusted into parenthood with this six and this eight-year-old. And I couldn't believe how they went at each other. And I couldn't also believe how other people around them didn't say anything. And I looked at this and I said, what are you guys doing? Oh, we're just, this is sibling rivalry. And my husband goes, yeah, my sister and I used to do that all the time. That's normal. And I go, there's nothing normal about what you guys are doing. <laughs> and But most people really think that that kind of treatment of each other is normal. And all I can remember, my biggest thing was when they were wrestling, is I would say, don't hit their spine. Whatever you do, don't touch the spine. You're going to hurt each other. Don't touch the spine. You know, hoping that at least if they were acting out some sort of normal uh, childhood ritual of sibling rivalry, that they didn't end up paralyzed when Mm -hmm. they were doing it. Mm -hmm. It's true. It's really true. And so so they're they're looking at television today, and they're watching what's transpiring on TV today. And it does, not for everybody, obviously, but for many individuals, it's an ability for them to see what parenting skills are like. Unfortunately, not the right parenting skills. Yeah. That they're seeing on television. exactly. Well, that's true. Okay, so we've covered, I think we've covered neglect. I do... Well, the one thing about neglect I would like to cover a little bit further is my parents, I don't think left me anywhere without just going oh well you know she can take care of herself or whatever but what they did do is like 
anything I wanted to do. They're like, we did that for you two years ago. And then they, it was just like, I wanted to do something different than what they were doing. And then when you're like between 12 and 16, you don't really have much autonomy of your own. And so it just felt like they were sharing my more of my brother's interests than mine. And they were just kind of ignoring me and kind of putting me in a corner to some degree, but it wasn't nearly as just violent as leaving me in a casino. Mm-hmm. I don't know if what you think about that. If it, does that occur more often? Than- well, you know, I want to say that every, uh, what we have found is that every case is individual. They're yeah. all personal. And the impact that their uh, behavior had on you is still with you today. Yeah. Right? And was that a positive impact or was it a negative impact? Well, for me, like, I was always thinking, well, I had a pretty average childhood. And then and somehow in my 30s, I I had a friend that um, she's a PA director. And I really noticed the relationship that she had with her daughter. And then I kind of thought back to my parents. And I'm like, you know, I'm like, you know what? I was kind of ignored. And, and it didn't. it took a while before I realized that. Wouldn't that fall under the category of either psychological or maybe even emotional neglect? Emotional, and, and there is. So it goes back, going back to is um, neglect is the most common uh, of all the abuse that there is. And then we have verbal and mental abuse. We have sexual abuse, and we have physical abuse. And those are the abuses that are recognized by the government. Mm-hmm. Bullying which we hear so much about today, yeah, is actually, when you look at a government site, it's not really referred to as abuse. But we know that 43% of middle-aged school kids will bully other children. Yeah. So 30% of school children today are going to be bullied. Yeah. Those are, that, that's, again, is what's reported. And of that, 20% of those kids are going to experience physical bullying. So yeah. it's not just... Well, so with the statistics being this alarming, do mm-hmm. do we have to look at this and say, boy, these are the influencing factors that are creating the behavior? Or do we say that the behavior that exists in humankind somewhat naturally is influencing also then the media that we choose to play back at us to watch? I would say a combination of both. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you really look at... Um, what is on television today and what people are watching and that there are more of those shows. There's not fewer of those shows. Mm-hmm. You're not hearing of the shows being canceled. Cancel. Yeah. Yeah, because they have too many people that are interested exactly. in Exactly. Well, a reality TV show can pull a crummy rating, but they're cheaper to produce than the regular sitcom because you don't have to pay union writers and union actors. And so that yeah, a sitcom has a lot more – or I'm sorry, a reality show has more leeway to not pull in ratings than – something that's scripted. And you have to look at the demographic of where that falls as well. Yeah. Right? Because there is demographics that are tied to it. Um, You know, it's, there, there, again, every story is different. Yeah. And every story is unique. And I've heard a tremendous amount of stories from individuals who have reached out to AmericanSPCC.org. We're not an intervention organization. There are phenomenal organizations that are out there to try to help individuals who've been can, abused. Can you name a few, Terry? Um, well, or shall we put well, them, we, or they'll find them on your website? Yeah, they can find them on the website. Okay. Um, That's the... Um, AmericanSPCC.org the, org is our okay. website. The um, I will tell you that there are no national organizations. If you know of a child or you're experiencing abuse yourself and you are a child or you are a teenager, you can go, you can call a number, and it's called 
for a child. 1-800 for a child. The number four. Correct, for a child. A child. Um, and they have a 24-hour manned hotline. But something that's really unique in our country, there are 194 countries have ratified the United Nations Treaty, which is the Convention on the Rights of the Child. And it really lays out parameters of who should report abuse, what constitutes abuse, how if abuse is affected, how do we educate individuals as it relates to parenting abuse. Um, of 194 countries that have signed the Convention on the Rights of the Child, only two countries have not signed that treaty, and the United they, Nations Treaty. And they are? Somalia and the United States. Wow. That's not something we want to have in common. Yeah, and why would that be? Is it just political will or is it just... Um... Political and religious beliefs have prevented the treaty from Oh, because there's a spanking thing in there and then the religious right? or In some cases, most of the countries have amended the treaty. So it, they may take that out. But there are acts within the treaty that talk about man, you know, mandatory reporting. If you witness child abuse, you have a, a fiduciary responsibility to report such acts. Mm. If, when you go across the United States, people say, and I'm going to ask you the question, you witness child abuse, who do you call? What do you do? I would probably, you know, dial my local sheriff's office or 911. I, I think or that's what I would have done, too, the local police department. And, and yet they are the ones that tell us time and time again how their hands are tied. So that's interesting. So, and at what point would you call? So if you saw a person in a grocery store smacking a child, would you call? That would be harder because grocery stores is a, are such a fluid situation that they can be gone and out of there. And then, you know, the sheriff is, or the police are just like, why'd you call us? And then it, you would actually have to follow them around the whole store to even keep track of where they're at. Mm -hmm. What about if you Good saw point, two though. teenagers or even two students here arguing in a store or one slapping the other? Would you get involved? Would you not get involved? Well, I would because I'm a mother and I have this reflex not to <laughs> to say something. It probably wouldn't serve my safety, but um, I probably something would fly out of my mouth. Yeah, and when you were talking about slapping, one time I was coming out of a a hootenanny concert and a drunk guy slapped his girlfriend and then it was just like the drunk guy was so much bigger and it's again a fluid situation where the you know crowd is exiting at a venue and it's just like well how do you get event staff over there to resolve the situation so some in some regards it's like it's like you can report it but then how do you have it follow through mm -hmm. um well i'll tell you what if you witness child abuse the likelihood that it's occurring outside of that incident by the same individuals is greater than 99%. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. So if you saw him slap her, it's likely that not only is he slapping her, but he's probably slapping others. Or, yeah. And he's also repeating those same actions when he gets home. Interesting. And so one of the challenges that we face in this country is education as it relates towards abuse. Because most countries, especially in Europe, they start educating the parents, and they start educating the child about where to touch, not to touch, safe zones, who to report, where to go. And this starts at the time a child enters school. Now we're referring to sexual abuse right now. Now we're actually talking about all types of abuse. Mm, okay. is, it, is it okay 
what do you do if your parents leave you here? What should you do? Who should you call? What programs are in place for a parent today? And we don't offer that type of education in our country. Hmm. It doesn't happen in our school systems. Yeah. And so back to what I was saying a little bit earlier is that child the laws as it pertains to child abuse are unique by state. So what are laws that we may have in California are going to be different than in Arizona and Texas and every state across our country. And what's even more amazing is it could vary by county by county. So what is per- You mean within law enforcement or Correct. Oh. Uh-huh. Within law and that's the, the laws as it pertains to child abuse. So why would it vary county by county? Because um or in what subtle ways would it differ? It could and I'll tell you how it differs. Um first of all, the definition of child abuse differs can differ by county. So is that child abuse that your child was left in your car in one county and not in the other county? I thought that was a state law that children under the age of 12 could not be left alone in a car without an adult. I'm not sure. It depends upon the county. Is so, there federal standards and then the states are left alone to kind of make develop even more crisper standards or there, more precise? Oh, I love that term, crisper standards. That's great. <laughs> um, yes, there are basic standards that are submitted across the country to each state. Those state standards are then um, passed down to the counties, and then the counties have the ability to modify those standards as well. There are basic rules. You know, if a child is raped, it's abuse, right? Oh, yeah. Yes. You know, that's... uh, If a child shows the act of bruising... Um, physical violence, you know, where you can actually see that on a child, that's an aspect of abuse. Right. I want to take a pause for okay. a moment just to tell our listeners that we are listening to Kimberly Martin's Real People of Orange County at KUCI 88.9 FM. We have in the studio today Terry O'Neill with the ASPCC. They are the American... Um, prevention, American Society for Prevention of Cruelty to Children. And today we are talking about the alarming statistics of child abuse in America. So mm-hmm. let's continue on with our conversation. Um, I was just going to say, what, what would be policy from government policy that works in this situation and, and what doesn't work? Because it's like a very, you can pass a law, but there's a very big dichotomy of what you pass versus how it works in, in, in the field. I can't honestly answer that. And the okay. reason being is because, again, each situation is unique. I know um, I have witnessed, I have gone to meet with some intervention organizations. And uh, one in particular, when I was there, they received a call that there was an 11-year-old child giving birth to a child. Oh, and <laughs> the uh, parent of that child was the, the girl's uncle. And the day before, they also witnessed a 10-year-old child who was giving birth to a child, and it was her father's child. Um, And, of course— Where did they witness this? In a hospital? In in a hospital. Okay. Mm -hmm. So this child presented, was pregnant, and was taken care of, and was anything done? A child protective services was brought in. Hmm. So back to who do you call and what do you do? If you suspect abuse, call Call who? Call 911. Okay. Even if they're busy because you've reported it. It's the act of the individuals, of the people who say they're too busy. 
I'm not going to report it. Because that perpetrator, whoever it may be, may have had other calls. Yeah. And it starts to build a folio or a case on those individuals. Or call Child Protective Services. Don't wait. Pick up the phone and say, I'm, I'm at Chipotle. I'm at In-N-Out. I just saw, I just witnessed a car. There are four kids left in it. It's only 70 degrees outside, but I don't know the health of those children. And they're going to say, what's the license plate number of that vehicle? Um, when you do report an act of child abuse, you don't have to give your name. You can remain anonymous. That's an important thing to tell our listeners, I think, is that you can play a role without jeopardizing your relationship with in the group dynamic. Let's say it's somebody you know, a neighbor. Right. But you can still play a role in helping the victim. A family member. Right. Um, last week I was in the office and um, I had a gentleman come into our office and he told me he was 82 years old. And he said, you know, I'm here to help you raise some funds for your organization to create greater visibility. I was on your website. So that's fantastic. And um, he sat down and, you know, I could s- he wasn't saying much and I can see something was wrong. And he says, I really want to tell you my story. Mm-hmm. And he says, I'm 82 years old and I was abused, sexually abused by my father and my uncle when I was seven years of age. And you're the first person I'm telling and he said that abuse went on for 10 years until I was 17. And he said, before I die, I want someone to know what I went through. And this isn't what we do, but I want people to know that they're not alone. They're not alone, no matter what type, whether it's, you know, you feel an aspect of neglect, whether it's physical abuse, whether it's verbal abuse, whether it's mental abuse. And we'll talk about dating violence here in a little bit, which mental abuse plays a huge game. part. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, as it relates to dating and violence. But as if being single isn't hard enough. <laughs> <laughs> Which it is. <laughs> but if you've experienced abuse, you have to get it out. It's your first it's your first opportunity to start to heal. And um, you can come to our website. And he waited so long. Yeah. He mm-hmm. waited so he lived with it his whole life. So a lot of people say, What are some of the ramifications of abuse? Many people who have experienced abuse as a child turn to alcohol and drugs. In fact, 80% of those who enter a drug rehab facility or attend AA have been abused as a child. Sexually or running the gamut of all the different types of abuses that we're discussing here today. When we talk about sexual abuse or physical abuse or neglect or verbal abuse, all the different abuses that, that may have occurred, it's likely that the person experienced more than one type of abuse. Yeah, in my case my my dad, I'll just out him right now, but he there's a lot of verbal abuse. Right. And so uh it even continues today where I'm pretty talented at doing things around the station, but they're like find a new job, even at McDonald's and it's just like uh okay. But, <laughs> but, but I have a job. I have a job. I'm <laughs> saving Kimberly's hide every week. Yeah. So like on so like there, you're right, there is a lot of there's other accompanying abuse that happens too and you know it might not be sexual but verbal is just as bad i mean it's just horrible i've heard um we've we i had an individual come into our our, location that we were at and he said i'll never forget the day that my sister and i were together when my mother said i should have never had you oh geez yeah i've got a friend like that too and she drinks a lot (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah it doesn't surprise me but we we don't think 
that that's that common because we didn't hear it probably from our parents. But you would be surprised of what I'm being told is there are a lot of people that having a child could have been an act of convenience or at the time it's what people did, right? Right. But to some degree, I mean, at some point the law would have to draw the line and the focus should Well, I guess I'm thinking about this from the standpoint of some of these younger parents. You know, at some point, maybe it's healing for them to just come out and say it. How do we how do we sit in judgment of a statement like that if we don't know the whole story? So how do we help the individual that said the words? And is there is there something we can do? Go to our website. There is information on our website of of what you can do. One of the first things to do is reach out. Hmm. And a lot of people don't reach out. Uh, A second thing is take parenting courses. That's really good advice. Why aren't more people just coming right out and saying that? Take parenting courses. Because no one wants to believe they're a bad parent. I mean, how many people really want to admit and say, I was a really awful parent? Hmm. (laughs) They don't want to say that. Sometimes they come out and say it with theirs and apology involved. Every time I sit down to do homework with my kids, I'm fairly certain I'm a terrible parent. (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe horrible at math I'm having an out-of-body experience, (laughs) and and I'm miserable. But you're admitting it. I'm resentful, actually, that I have to repeat the first, the fifth, (laughs) and the seventh grade on a nightly basis. (laughs) So is there, like, extension classes at UCI that teach parenting? I mean, where do you get parenting lessons? You know what? I'm not exactly sure if UCI offers. It, but if they don't offer it, they should. Very, I can tell you that because good. I know those classes will be full. Yes, they really will. And I talked to young parents today, and they say the only parenting that I learned was from my parents. And so the bad habits get passed down, right. generation to generation to generation. And you even have a statistic that that talks about that for children that were abused, what percentage of them will pass down this horrible cycle of abuse? Over 30%. Hmm. Will repeat the actions that they experienced as... I'm surprised that's not higher. It well, probably is. Yeah, but that's what's reported. That's so what's I reported. always want to say the numbers that I'm using are... The reported st- statistics. And they're, they're published from the government. Oh. So there are other s- statistics as well that are out there. Um, the numbers are much greater, but we try to be consistent with where we get our facts. So. Do you use an aggregate of sources or do you? Um, you child welfare. Child welfare mm-hmm. statistics. Mm-hmm. Okay. We get our information from childwelfare.gov. What? Uh, let's make sure we. Can you believe how the time flies no. here? At, yeah. Uh, real, <laughs> people, right. pretty fast. real people of Orange <laughs> County. <laughs> um, again, you're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. I. Do, should we offer to take calls, Heather? Sure. I mean, I if you want to call in. and such um, a great re- resource for if us. You, if you want to call in and, and, and share a story, the phone number here is 949-824-5824. And uh, we'll put you on the air and you can share your story and your struggle and, and then, how you've resolved it, hopefully. And, and I was just wondering, for people that have been abused, is there like uh, a way forward? I mean, is there like a support group? Or I mean, what's the best way to like get your life back on track if alcohol that's not at 175 an hour and yeah exactly therapy which nobody can really (laughs) afford these days um there is there is a group very similar to aa alcohol anonymous but Mm -hmm. it's abusers anonymous 
Is that for the abuser to correct. attend? Uh huh. Mm. And so um, they it is offered in Orange County in Los Angeles. The information is on our website where they can go to. And they attend these meetings, and there are individuals there who help coach them on parenting to help stop the abuse. Um, so it's a parenting coach, but then, you know, back to some of the other abuses that are happening adult to adult, would it, it the same organization help folks? I think that it would, because I think what you'll find is the majority of the adults that are abusing were abused. And so they have to, uh, not the majority, but... Because I don't want to say the majority, but it's there's a significant number of adults who have been abused are also abusers. I think the 30% number is what is reported, and we find the numbers actually much greater. It's because people don't know. And once they get to some of these um, organizations, another there's a great organization called It Happens to Boys. Mm. And this organization is all men. It's all men. And... Um, I've talked to several of the men who've gone through to um, the counseling sessions there. It's free. People go to it, and they share their stories of abuse. The stories truly are horrific. Mm -hmm. It's it's unbelievable. But one of the things that most of the people have said is, I was never able to have a healthy relationship. As an adult. Ever. I could never have a healthy relationship. Well, was it because they wouldn't let themselves have an intimate relationship because they were protecting themselves or because they themselves had adopted behaviors that were unhealthy to the relationship? It depended on the type of abuse. Hmm. So um, for some of the individuals that were sexually abused, they said, every time I got together with my partner or my wife, I only remembered what took place. They had some sort of body memory of Mm -hmm. the abuse that... Mm -hmm. Would crop up. And would it be post-traumatic stress disorder abs- if it's a flashback? It, it, and I don't think it. I think it was actually more than a flashback. Okay, because it really, really affected their life. So often they turn to alcohol and drugs. And yeah. They admit it. They'll say, "You know what? My easiest escape was for me to have a few drinks before I went to bed with my wife." And the the two turned to three, and then turned to four, and then I realized I became overprotective of my children because I knew what happened to me. And that's the last thing I wanted to have happen to my kids. And so I didn't let my kids out of my sight. And what's crazy about that is over 90% of abuse occurs from someone that the child knows. Like a close family member? Or... Could be a parent. It's not uncommon to be a parent, actually. Oh, just, it's just... <laughs> and, and... Um, I enjoyed doing this radio show in general <laughs> until today. It's really stressful. Um, as I think we're kind of, we deviated a little bit from it, but um, would you want to talk about dating violence real fast and then the manifestations? So, roughly um, one in eleven report an act of physical uh, dating abuse. One in eleven individuals, and those are the ones that are reporting it. Uh, one in four uh, individuals who are dating report an act of uh, verbal abuse. Uh, emotional abuse and sexual abuse. And if you're a high school girl and you're listening to this, the chances are 20% of those individuals will experience physical and sexual abuse. From their uh, quote-unquote partner. That's correct. And so another interesting thing that I've been reading about is the abuser often will want if it's a gentleman will want his girlfriend to experience a pregnancy because it's an act of control. So, that sounds cultural to me. Well, you it's know not, what ha- I don't think. 
So what happens is they'll say, if she gets pregnant, then she's going to stay in my life and I still will control her. She will always hmm. be in my life for another 18 years. I never met any men like that. None, uh, they were all <laughs> doing their darndest to prevent it. <laughs> <laughs> um, alarming statistics, uh, 30% of all teenage girls that are murdered are murdered by their boyfriend or a person that they dated. 30%. Mm-hmm. And is it is it during, do we know of that statistic, how many were engaged in the relationship with that person or were, was it more out of a violent rage because they broke up with that individual? I don't know. I okay. honestly don't know. Another st- statistics that is alarming is if you heard of a classroom of children every week that were shot and killed, what would this country do? Well, yeah, I mean, it would It'd be on the news every school. night. Be, yeah. It'd be on the yeah. news every day. Right? Yeah. For, because that's what happens. We see a classroom, they go in, they shoot a student in the class, it makes fun. But what isn't reported is that five children die every single day in this country of abuse. More children have died of abuse than in the Iran, the Iraqi and the Afghanistan war. Wow. Yeah. That's the United States um, leads the reported number of abuse occurrences of any third world country. So we may be ahead in some numbers, but these are numbers that we shouldn't be proud of. No, no. Is that due to like lack of a safety net? And then it's just like a stress from work that carries over from to home or uh, is has that been examined? Why exactly we lead so much? Uh, most of it is education. OK. Most of it is education. So we lack the educational skills to parent. We lack the educational skills to educate children of what they should do. If they feel that they shouldn't be touched or they are experiencing abuse, children don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. Most children don't. Um, You know, the safe word is, is an easy thing to do. If you have a small child, teach the child a safe word. Give me an example. Well. And how would the child use it? So uh, you have a small child, and you, you give the, a word, and they say Superman is the word, and let them pick the word. And no one knows that word but that child and the parents. That's it. No one. That word is a sacred word. And if they're going to be picked up by an aunt or an uncle or a relative or a neighbor or someone that they may recognize, the child needs to say to that individual, what's the safe word? And the parent needs to tell those individuals when they go to pick up the child, you need to say Superman when you pick up my child. Is the safe word so that they know that the parent has then entrusted this individual to pick up the children. That's right. See, this is something that I do regularly, though. though. I have conversations with my children about who in our lives mommy and daddy trust. And I'm also just as clear with them about who in our lives mommy and daddy don't trust. And I make it pretty clear to them who who's kind of on that list for us and who isn't. Mm-hmm. And um, But I could think of a myriad of situations where they could easily fall into the hands of somebody they think they know and trust. And, um, and it wouldn't necessarily be too difficult to happen, even with my very savvy little children. Right. So, there, are, there are key pointers. And if a child says, I don't want to be held... I don't want to be kissed. I don't want to be whatever by an individual. They shouldn't have to. 
So I mean, they don't have to go kiss old Grandma. Aunt Mary if they don't want exactly. to. Because she's got stinky hair and exactly. stinky ears. <laughs> and by you saying, I'll respect you, is they start to develop that trust with that parent. And that respect for their own intuition as That's well. That's correct. That's correct. It's really key. So back to dating. Okay. Because we, we yeah, started t- we talking started. a little bit. We're, we're on campus here, and there are a lot of students that are dating. And they might have experienced some abuse with someone that they dated while they were in high school. That maybe didn't lead to rape, but, but left them scarred in a way that it would constitute a, a, an abuse. Right. Emotional abuse, right? The game playing that takes place on both sexes. It's not just You mean one. that's not normal? <laughs> <laughs> it is to a point. Each other, not calling after three days to <laughs> right, build some right. anticipation. <laughs> right. Which part of dating is not abusive? <laughs> But what we're finding and what we're seeing are the numbers are saying that when a person has experienced that in high school, they often seek it when they're in college. They huh. seek a similar type of relationship instead because of because that relationship was formative at a formative time of their that's correct development. But wouldn't that more speak to how they were raised? Absolutely, because to them, if they witnessed that and they correlated that as an aspect of love, then that person must love me. Mm. And that's what we hear. Yeah. And that it, negative intimacy yeah, that they you know, are seeking. Okay, they hit me. They didn't mean to. They really loved me. They didn't mean to hit me. Huh. Or um, they were going to call me last night for the last five days, Or, but they just got busy. It's always an excuse. There's always an excuse tied to an individual. And what people should know is you don't have to put up with it. Right. You don't have to put up with it. You know, you have the right to say, I'm not going to take this. I'm going to move on right? Yeah. and get healthy. Yeah. I mean, that's a hard thing to do. Um, I have a friend that goes to a school that uh, her boyfriend is taking – he has a, like a mini-season ticket plan to a baseball team. She has no interest in going. She, he's kind of mo- trying to mold her into what he wants her to be, and then she's doing P90X. So it's just a great <laughs> workout, but right. like she really doesn't <laughs> well, really want to do it. I'm laughing at the fact that yeah. Terry's laughing at the reference to P90 <laughs> – Whatever X, what do you know what I went this is? That program, oh so. gosh, I'm so behind the eight ball. I saw her and she looked so drained, and then she's like, right. she's like, my boyfriend wants me to do PDA90X, and then I say, and I said, well, f him, you know. I mean, just like, hey, can you say that on the radio? <laughs> well, you know, you can tell her it's not going to get any better. Yeah, right. This is the honeymoon. Yeah, the, I, I can only imagine how that relationship's going to go further. I mean, it's just, it's frightening. What, com- what comes after P90X? <laughs> Is there anything? <laughs> Exhaustion. Yeah. So well, well, what he does with her, he's going to do with his kids or their oh, yeah. kids. Oh, good point. Right. Yeah. Gosh. So if he's controlling to her, he's going to be controlling to their children. But it's hard to break through that wall as a friend because when I told her, you know, blank him, like she kind of got defensive about it. And, and so, I mean, it's a really hard emotional like connection they have with their abuser, which is really sad. And mm-hmm. then she defended him, uh, all of his more positive aspects. No, she didn't go that far. It was a brief <laughs> encounter. But I mean, still, it, you have kind of like a... Emotional dependence, maybe, on the abuser at sometimes, or do you find that's the case? Um, I think it's a combination. Okay. And I think what p- individuals need to do is literally write out what you're looking for in your partner. Define what you're looking for and define what you don't want in your relationship. And if it's abuse, you don't want it. If you think it's going to end that day, it's not. If you think it's going to end next week, it's not. Right. Or next month, or even next year. If they act out today, 
it's likely they're going to act out in the future. Right. And until that individual seeks help and assistance, their behavior won't change. So you say until that individual seeks help, what kind of help? Um, They need to get counseling. And there are a lot of free organizations that will assist with that. And again, some are on our website. Go online. Um, You know, if they were abused as a boy, they can go to It Happens to Boys. And it's not boys that are there. It's men (laughs) from ages 20 up to 70 that talk about their experience of abuse. There are similar organizations for women. There are similar organizations for girls. Um, We would love to see more organizations. Our organization is really here to talk about prevention. Because if we don't prevent this from occurring, it's just going to reoccur. It's just going to keep happening. So let's talk a little bit about the town hall meeting. What are the objectives? Uh, it's to bring the, to get the city in, engaged. And, and we hope to have one here in, in Orange County very soon, too. Oh, wonderful. So the town meeting is like a roving? Well, what we're doing is we have the chief of police. We have the um, fireman battalion, the captain. We have uh, all the city officials. The mayor will be there. The Human Rights Commission will be there. We have of the of the larger businesses, each of those large business owners to be there. And we're getting everybody together to say, this is what's happening in your community. So you have statistics to share with them that are happening in that particular community. That is correct. Okay. And what are you planning on doing about it? Because we need to get together. An individual can't do this on their own. No. Mm-mm. It's too big. It's almost too much to ask because they've already been victimized. Right. Right. And it's literally millions and millions of people. Terry, we are coming close to the end of our time. We're not quite there yet, but I want (laughs) to make sure we get everything out that we can offer the listeners today. Here again, we are uh, on Real People OC, 88.9 FM in Irvine. Um, I also have realpeopleoc.com if you want to go and find some additional resources. I put Terry's website up on there as well as all of our previous uh, recordings. And um, so it's a resource for you as well. Tell us, tell us the main message. The main message is if you're a victim of abuse, you're not alone. It's really important yeah. because if you look at the sheer numbers that are reported to the government and think of what isn't reported – it's likely that more than 50% of our population has experienced some form of abuse. Yeah. Actually, the one thing I want to touch on real fast, um, we were talking about a classroom a day and that would get publicity. Yeah. Um, the one thing that was really sick and twisted and like it just kind of – I couldn't believe the American public would do such a thing would be um, when Joe Paterno got fired and then there were people rallying outside of his house and, you know, being angry at Penn State for firing him for not, you know, reporting, reporting that earlier. Mm-hmm. It's like what's wrong with these people? I mean that's that's kind of like a sick and twisted psyche. I mean do you, have, do you know what that's all about? You know, I don't know what that's about. But, but one of the things that I can say is stop and think about it if it was your child. If your child was the person who was being... Or you. Or you. Yeah. Yeah. Right? That was being abused and no one spoke up. Right. Yeah. How do you feel today if you know that 10 years down the road or 15 years down the road that you... could have done something. They could have done something. They could have stopped it and they could have helped you live a healthy, normal life. And that's why we need to get involved and that's why we need to spread the word about child abuse prevention. If you know of someone who's been abused... Listen to their stories. They're horrific, and I'm going to be honest. They are touching, very touching, because no one has a good abuse story. No. no. I guess that's probably right. true. So. And and the other central message that you delivered today was report it. And I, I'm interested by that 
because you say just call 911. Right. Is that what um, the police departments are asking no. from your organization? <laughs> no, you know what? Um, what do they recommend? Would you calling like child a protective non, services. A no, okay, child yeah. protective but services. One of the reasons we've talked to numerous organizations, and I'm, you know, I'm not a psychologist and I'm not a therapist. Right. I'm president of an organization that has been innately involved with individuals who've experienced abuse and who have witnessed the long-term effects of individuals who have been abused. Right. And every person that I've spoken to has said, if someone just would have picked up the phone and called 911, their life could My neighbor knew this was happening. My uncle saw this happen. My mother was watching in the other room as my father was raping me. Oh. And she didn't call oh. 911. Oh, God. But these are... It happens. Yeah. They're hard stories, and just your response today, people don't want to hear it. But the truth of the matter is it's happening every day, and it can be prevented. Yeah. Do we know what makes an individual make this acceptable in their own minds? You know, um, it's kind of interesting. I don't know. I, I don't really have – I don't know if Do anybody – psychologists have an opinion? Yeah. yeah. And, and one of the things that they say is – that after they perform the act, they almost blame the child Ugh. because you put yourself in that spot to make me do this. So okay. um, we're just wrapping up our time here. Um, we want to remind you that uh, this is Pledge Drive. So if you want to support Real People of Orange County, the number is 949-824-5824. We have awesome volunteers that are waiting outside the lo- in the lobby to answer your phone calls. A $35 premium or $35 pledge level, excuse me, makes you a member of KUCI and uh, helps keep programming like Real People of Orange County possible. It, it makes it possible. So please, uh, we need your support. 949-824-5824 is a number to reach us. And um, I think that's about it. Oh, and then for next week. And next week, well, yeah, next week we have the Getz family, and they're a beautiful family of five that have not one but two grown children with cystic fibrosis. So we're going to dip a little bit into their lives and hear about their story as they tell us what it was like to grow up and live with this disease and the impact that it's had on the entire family. They are a beautiful family. You'll see them on the website in a couple of days. But, Terry, thank you so much for being here and sharing the statistics with us. Please let us know if there's anything else we can do to help your organization get the word out. I appreciate we, it. We want to play a role in that way for you. Great. Thank cool. you. Thank you. Yeah, so um, this counterspin is up next uh, uh, on the other side of this medical moment.